count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes I Stand up, let's sing, and then we'll continue to worship the Lord.
Through you the blind will see. Through you the mute will see. Through you the dead will rise. Through you our hearts will praise. Through you the darkness flees. Through you my soul screams, I am free. I am free to run. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. I am free. I am free. I want to run, I want to hide, I want to tear down those walls to hold me inside, I want to reach out and touch the flame, where the streets have no name, oh, I want to feel I see the dust cloud disappear without a dream. I wanna take shelter from the poison rain where the streets have no name. Oh, where the streets have no name. Where the streets have no name. We're still building and burning down love, burning down love. And when I go there, I go there with you. It's all I can do. Through you the kingdom comes, through you the battles won. Through you I'm not afraid Through you the price is paid Through you there's victory Through you my soul sings I am free Yes I am free Yeah I am free to run I am free to run I am free to dance
fun. Powerful name. 
or in our world or wherever it may be, God, that is keeping us distracted from you, that is keeping us um, with life off kilter. I pray, God, that um, that you just center us. You just have us focus on you and let everything else just fade away. For, for God, we just, uh, we need something. We don't know what it is. We know that you need to speak to us today. As we've been talking about, not only this year, it's kind of hard to to focus on this year, and you let alone, God, five years from now. But I pray that this um, this message series that we're giving will just empower us just to begin to take a step. And, um, and we just pray, uh, God, we would pray that there might not be five years, that you there might not be five minutes, that you would return right now. And so, Lord, um, just, just speak to us as you would. And for that, we give you praise and honor and glory in Christ's name. Meet Billy. In five years, Billy will have spent 605 days sleeping and two and a half full days brushing his teeth, hopefully. He will have sat in traffic for nine full days. Billy hates traffic. And in five years, he will have spent 433 days working. Social media will have taken up 152 consecutive days of his life. He will have walked 3,000 650 miles and spoken 29.2 million words, hopefully good ones. In five years, Billy will have spent 76 days eating and drinking. Billy loves dessert. Two and a half years out of the five will be spent consuming media with 228 days spent watching TV. Billy is messy. He will have spent 152 days cleaning. And in five years, he will have spent roughly $40,000 on food, 40 days shopping, and 50 days socializing with the homies. Welcome to you in five years. That's a lot, right? Uh, you're probably getting tired of seeing him. That's all right. We got another week of him and then we'll be good. All right. But um, man, that's, that's just wild. When I think about five years ago, what year are we talking about? 2016, remember that? Wow, did, that's, that, seemed, that doesn't seem too far ago. How, how many of you, like if you hear the term, uh, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day, because um, I, I saw an old Seinfeld show, and they were talking about um, 
about having a, uh, a new millennium party. How many remember 1999 going to 2000? Seemed like yesterday? Uh, wow, that's been a while ago, in case you don't know. That's been 21 years ago. That means that somebody who was born in the millennium now can go buy alcohol, right? Legally. <laughs> that's where we go, right? That, isn't that amazing that, that, that that's where we are right now? Um, and where 2000 is 21 years past. So when we talk about a bulk of five years, it seems like a lot when we talk about five years, doesn't it? Um, but it's just a, a drop in the bucket, um, particularly for many of us who have, who have uh, let's say, aged well, right? Like fine wine, I guess, is that what we say? But anyway, um, let's look at, we're going to look at our prayer list today. Um, we have a couple of prayers that we want to lift up. Robin Halabaski asked for prayers for the family of Liz uh, Stevens on the recent loss of her husband, uh, Steve. Um, for Bobby Burke and Mike Reeves, um, last week we talked about how Bobby's mother, Catherine Reeves, came through surgery. She ended up passing away this week. Um, and so, and many, many of you know that um, she has dealt with um, dementia and things over the last several years. Um, so we're going to lift them up. In, in prayers. I received a, a text um, from the Killo family for uh, baby Vance Gillespie who went into the hospital checking with narrowing in his esophagus and they believe there's something more serious with his heart. So um, pray for this uh, young baby. Um, Holly Kipp asked for prayers for co-workers health and still God's favor in a situation. Donna for Bill's surgery on the 25th and for total healing as well. Um, Debbie Chadwick asked for prayers for Aunt Sis, Janet Hammer, who goes for an ultrasound for kidney stones tomorrow. Um, Karen Verde asked for prayers for her brother, Brian Preston, who has some health issues, and uh, also that he would listen to the doctor, and also for, ultimately, for salvation and other things. Um, and um, Judy Music is in, um, I was in the ER today, um, that's where she was, that's where Melissa is right now. She had um, some, something with her foot so bad that they ended up taking her by ambulance early in the in the morning. So there's several things going on there. And again, many of you know that we've been giving updates. Um, Carol Henson has asked for prayers for her son-in-law's brother, Greg Harvey, who had, um, who had had surgery for a brain tumor and um, was very young. His father died of that very young. And um, they have classified melanoma as a grade three cancerous aggressive. Um, and the, the prognosis is a five-year survival rate at 29%. So we really want to lift this young man up in your prayers and praying for a miracle, all right? So in the midst of everything else, there is, uh, there's always something else going on that we need to lift, uh, Lord, lift up in prayer. So let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and um, we recognize that there are so many needs. And uh, God, we, we would be remiss if we didn't lift up uh, the, this week and praying for uh, the, the peaceful, and God, also we pray for, um, for your hand to be in the, in the leadership change in, in our country and everything that's going on there. Um, it seems like a bad soap opera at many times, God, and it would be funny if it wasn't, if it wasn't um, real. Um, but anyway, Lord, so we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be in, in we, regardless of Republican, Democrat, in, in the pub, uh, independent, we just pray for your peace and your direction for our country. And so, God, we also want to lift up the names of those on this prayer list, those who have dealt with loss, uh, like the Stevens family and the Reeves and Burke family. Um, for those who had the joy of a baby and then are dealing with struggles there. Um, for those who are dealing with health issues as well, and for this young man, Greg, that we have lifted up um, for several weeks, and now the 
prognosis does not sound very, very uh, hopeful um, for longevity. But God, we are talking about five years, and we just pray that um, during these next five years that he will have um, miracles happen. And for this and all things, God, we just want to commit this whole time to you. I ask that you uh, empty me out and you fill me up with your spirit and just give me direction and guidance to do and to say and to speak what you would have us uh, speak. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen. All right. Okay, so um, again, um, we, we're looking at a, about a couple announcements here, and then we'll get started in our, um, our third week of this Who Are You in Five. Um, again, I can, um, we can put this up here so you guys can go ahead. We have our bulletin um, that is there. If you want to do it with a QR code, feel free to do that as well. Um, and so after everything was printed, I did find a mistake, but that's all right. It keeps me humble. Um, and we'll, we'll look at that. But let's look at some of our announcements. Um, and, and this can stay up there. That's fine if you want. Um, Sunday school reopening, they're going to start meeting weekly. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to start doing that with our kids weekly. Uh, thanks to Kate and, um, and those who are going to um, fill in those roles. Um, kids from the same family will stay together. We're going to still be utilizing. Uh, we're going to use the uh, classrooms on both sides. And um, we're excited about doing that. We are limited right now to 15, but we're going to start registering each week. So um, we're excited about, about taking that step to maybe get back to the way things need to be. You know, hopefully we'll, we'll pray for that, all right? Um, again, if you're facing a crisis, or, um, you can also go ahead and connect with our Stephen ministers. And then tomorrow, um, we've shared, we recognize over this last year, many people have experienced grief. Um, and um, I think of families like Bobby's, who um, her, uh, a little while ago, her father passed away, and then her, her sister after surgery, and now her mother as well. So I know families, there are families like that all over the place. And we know with COVID, it's even more so. So um, we, uh, we, tomorrow evening, are beginning um, Grief Share um, via Zoom and in person. Um, if you want any more information about that, again, you can contact Donna, right, Donna? Um, Zoom and in person, 630. Again, you can check in. And so Donna's here to answer any questions. Or if you have any other questions, you can contact them at stephen-ministry um, at havencc.org. Or if you get an uh, email to info at havencc.org. Um, it's a great opportunity to connect and to go through a, a, a healing process. And no one who's taken that has ever been like, darn, I, I wish I hadn't taken that. So Parish Foundation, uh, how are we doing? Okay. Okay. So, um, oh, what was shared there by Kathy is that um, we are good tonight. Thank you all for the uh, meals for the uh, Paris Foundation. However, tonight is the last time at the Bridge, Bridge Street right? Paris uh, Foundation. They will be relocating to uh, Hollingsworth with the uh, rec center, family rec center, while they are getting a new facility um, put together for the Paris Foundation. So thank you all. And um, so in the future... Keep that in mind, and we'll, we'll, we'll be able to, to mention where that is as well, okay? And then youth group, um, mark your calendars. Beginning February 7th, they will, youth group will be meeting every Sunday, so that is good too. And so I know, um, that I know some of the kids, I know Judah's excited and some others because that's a great opportunity to get there. And then registration links as well. We're going to continue to do all those things that we need to do to fulfill our righteousness, okay? Everybody sound good? Everybody good? Yep. All right, let's move on. Um, we are in our second week, and I don't have 
two, I mean, our third week, last week I had a lot of magic tricks, right? Did you like my magic tricks? Um, I, I won't break any bricks. Look, still not broken. Uh, a little sore the next day, but nothing broken, okay? Um, so I'm not going to break a brick or drop eggs in, from a uh, tube or anything, but we are going to talk about some other things. The title of this message today is called Little by Little. Everybody say little by little. There we go. All right. So there's an old Chinese proverb, and it goes like this. Even a journey of a thousand miles begins with what? A single step. And it's inspiring, and it's also overwhelming, isn't it, Um, when we look at that? No matter how long the journey is, that journey does start with one single step. And the, uh, the thing is, no matter how far you set out on that journey, no matter where you begin to take off, you have to take that first step, and when you get there, you're like, wow, it all started with one step. But it can be, uh, whether it's a 1,000 miles or uh, two uh, steps, it all begins with that one step. Now, here's one of the things. Depending upon which direction you're facing, that could be a really great thing. It could also be a really challenging or terrible thing. Because if you see, if I take a single step in the wrong direction, I could easily end up being thousands of miles away from where I need to be. If I was heading on a thousand mile uh, journey, then if I head the wrong way, the opposite direction, I could be 2,000 miles away from where I want to be. Anybody ever gotten lost? Okay. Um, Yes, time and time and time again. So again, we're going to talk little by little that um, something, and and basically the the theme of this is something small adds up over time. We're going to be using um, the... Two scripture lessons, but they're the same scripture lesson. Okay, you, you, I'm going to understand why. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and another one from Exodus 23. They're pretty much the same thing, although in, in Exodus there is one detail that we're going to share that we're going to talk about a little bit that Deuteronomy doesn't give us. But both contain advice, commands, and a pep talk before the nation of Israel go into what they call the promised land. Okay, right now you, some of you are thinking of Charlton Heston. And they're going into the promised land and, the, uh, and Moses and things like this. So let me give you a little background story here. So here's some Old Testament biblical history in 20 seconds or less. Are you ready? All right. Uh, might be a little bit longer than that. But Abraham, this random guy um, who was living life, God made some spectacular promises <coughs> to Abraham. He said, Abraham, you are going to become a great nation. You're going to have so many kids. You're going to have kids upon kids upon kids, and they're going to have kids, and then they're going to have more kids, and they're going to have, what are they going to have? More kids, and there's going to be lots of kids, and then they're going to have nations, and you are going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have so many kids and descendants, like, and he was sitting there at night, and he said, look at the stars. That's how many you're going to have. If you can count them, then you count how many kids you're going to have. So, now, now the issue was, Abraham and his wife were really old. I mean, really old. We're like 80s, 90s here, okay? Now, I I will be 50 this year, and if God came to me and told me I was going to have a lot more kids, I would yell, no, right? Anybody like that? How many of you would like to have kids at 80 or 90, okay? I mean, there's still time with God, right? Um, But that's what, they were really, really old to have children, but his name meant exalted father, and they had none at this point. They had none at all, and so, um, you know, like, it's, it's really fascinating. Abraham, though, chose to believe God. I, like, I find out that Abraham kind of 
he goes through some things with God where he goes back and forth with God. This would have been the one I would have really gone back and forth with. You know what I mean? But children meant something to him, but he just believed God in there. And um, scripture is rather, rather funny here because the Bible says God waited till Abraham's body was as good as dead. Now, that, that, that's pretty bad, isn't it? You know, God says, hey, I'm going to wait for you to have kids until you're as good as dead. Um, and that's, that's where we were. So, like, it seems like a bad Tinder profile, right? Hi, my name is Tom, and I'm, I, I love banking. I love baseball. Um, I cook occasionally, and my body is as good as dead. And swipe right for a good time. I mean, you know, I don't know, but this may be it. But Abraham believed God on the spot, and faith was just believing God without, without seeing what's around him. So God did keep his promise. Abraham became, uh, his descendants became great nations of people. And through a series of events, they became a great chosen nation known as, the, as Israel or the Israelites. And they ended up as slaves in Egypt. Now, what we know is there's about 400 years that they're slaves. And then finally, it's time for them to come out of Egypt, not as slaves. And we know that the guy who led them, what was his name? Moses, there you go, Moses. And they went, they led him into the desert. They were in the desert, and then they were between, um, oh, thank you. Um, they were between the devil and the deep blue sea, right? The Egyptian army was coming behind them, and they had the Red Sea in front of them, and then God went, whoosh, and you all right now are picturing Charlton Heston, aren't you? And seeing it pop out. Some of you may, some of you may not. But then some of you may be of the age you see in the cartoon, okay? Whatever it is. But um, all of a sudden the water heaps up and they came across on dry land and the, Israelite, the Israelites went through and the Egyptian army followed them and the waters fell in on them and they drowned and, and Moses delivered them. Now when they got out there, you know, we had lots of things. Before that, they had all these plagues. Remember, the Nile turned to blood. You had locusts. You had frogs. You had all these other kind of things. Firstborn died. You had a lot of stuff going on, right? Um, but that wasn't the end of it. So once they get out of Egypt, once they're rolling along, it was time for them to enter into the promised land. Now if you look across, like as the crow flies kind of thing, and there is a mountainous area, the journey would have taken probably if you if you took it directly some people have estimated four days to a week it took them 40 years to get in there right so they didn't have gps they actually had god leading them but they didn't like to listen to god so they wandered around in this wilderness for 40 years and boy is that a picture of many who are who are saved like you know we've got our ticket punched for heaven but we're just not doing anything for heaven on, on the way. They were just kind of living along. But then, so they get there, they get to the point, Moses did some stuff, he got mad one time, hit a rock stuff, ticked God off, God said, guess what? Even though you dealt with all these miserable people, guess what? I'm gonna let you see the promised land, but you ain't going in. And Moses said, that ain't fair, God. He said, that's all right, I got your bones, I'll take care of you, all right? So, um, see, I told you, I'm giving you this Cliff Notes version. So after that, a guy, another guy, who is Moses' right-hand man, uh, a leader named Joshua, Joshua begins to be the one to take them into the promised land. They go to the Jordan River, and he says, and the Jordan River goes up, um, and it, it is like a mini version of the Red Sea. They walk through, and they go in. Now, we're going to talk about this point, about where Israel is getting ready to enter into the promised land, to everything that God has promised for them, and he's giving them a pep talk before they go into the promised land. Why? Because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Um, and you know, 
for us, it's not always easy to be in the promise that God wants to have us in. Like there are things and there are callings and there are places where God calls us that just are not easy places to be in. And so, it's, you know, like for instance, it's easy to stay with your problem, your temper, your unhealthy habits, um, your destructive behaviors. It's easy to stay lazy. It's easy to be argumentative and cantankerous and gossipy and critical. It's easy to just kind of kind of be in anything we kind of kind of to say we we were entitled it's easy to be entitled um, but it's not easy often to be where God wants us to be and so what we see is that a lot of times to get where God needs us to be there are battles that have to occur in the midst of that within us with our hearts our minds with around us with our careers, with our jobs, with our, uh, our schooling, whatever. And so here are the Israelites. They're getting ready to go in this land. Remember, they wandered around how long? 40 years. Wandered around. And then they're here. And now they're getting a pep talk. And they were told that um, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go in. Um, but there's going to be other nations in there that are going to try to keep them from taking what God has. It says that they were great and mighty nations that were there. And the exact reason for that is because here are great and mighty nations, and Israel is feeling maybe small and weak compared to what they're going into. Matter of fact, when they said, one of the reasons why Joshua and Caleb were, were the only two that started the journey that got to go in, because when they did a sneak peek of the, of the land originally, early on in the journey, they said, let's go get it. And the other people said, no, 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 we're we're too small. Those people will kill us. We can't go in there. And so that's why Joshua and Caleb were the only two who went in there. So I have a question for you. Have you ever felt that God is calling you to something, and yet when you were there, you felt like you were small, weak, that it was too little, that it was too big of a task, that you were too little, that it was too big of a task for you to have, and you just felt like you were going, that you were just waiting to fail? Anybody? Anybody ever felt that in your life? They're just, just waiting to fail. Well, see, God wanted them to understand exactly that because he wanted them to understand that because they were small, that they had to depend on him. And when God is with you, you can never fail. All right? He, he will always win. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to Deuteronomy and to Exodus. All right? You ready? We're going to look at some of this. So I'm going to bring this, um, these scriptures up here, and I'm going to kind of unpack a little bit of these. And then I'm going to give you a couple things to kind of, kind of wrap, wrap this up about little by little. Okay, sound good? All right, so here we go. All right, so in Deuteronomy, it says, If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I possess them? You shall not be afraid of them. But you shall remember well what your, the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all Egypt. The great trials with your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hands, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord has brought you out. So shall your God do for all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left, um, who hide themselves from you, are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Ready? Here's the term. Little by little. And you will, will be unable to destroy them at once, <coughs> lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict, 
to feed upon them until they are destroyed. So let's look at this again. Let's take a look at this. I'm going to look at a couple different scriptures, and we're going to talk about them from this scripture. Um, he says, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispose them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh in Egypt. He was telling them, don't look at your limitations. Don't look at your opposition. Wouldn't life be a lot easier if we didn't look at our limitations and our oppositions? But we constantly look at our limitations and our oppositions and find out, and it tells us what we cannot do. Time and time and time again. What he says, instead of looking at our limitations and our opposition, we are to look to the Lord, and we are to do two things. Look to the Lord and remember what he's done. Two things we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? We are to look to the Lord, so we need to look, and we need to remember. One of the things that I've learned in my Christian walk is I have, a, I have Christian amnesia. I forget very quickly what God has done for me in the past. I remember all full well what the limitations and the oppositions are facing me now and in the, in the present and in the future. I got those really big. But what I forget is the limitations and oppositions that God just toppled over in my past. And so that is one problem that we have. So he says, hey, when you're seeing these limitations and oppositions, you need to go ahead and say, oh, that's right. I remember what God did in this situation. I re- and, 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 that's, and I'm going to look to him in this situation. So when we think about this, David, when David fought a big guy, what was his name? Goliath. He, as a matter of fact, when we talk about anything massive now, we talk about it being a Goliath, something massive. When David faced Goliath, it's interesting. He was this little shrimp, and he's coming out. He's got his, his uh, sling and his rock. When he came out, he didn't say, wow, he is big. Oh, my gosh. His, do, you, do you realize that they say that the tip of the spear that, um, that Goliath had weighed 15 pounds? That's a big dude. All right? So the weaver's rod could have been like somewhere 15 to uh, 20 feet long. So he has a 15 to 20 foot long a spear with a 15-pound with uh, end of the spear on the end there. That is massive to just pick up and throw at somebody. So seeing that, everybody thought, what the heck is he doing? Matter of fact, Goliath said, what am I, a dog? Did you come at me with a stick? He was laughing at him. David, David remembered, he said, the Lord was there with me when I fought the lion and the bear, and he will give to me that uncircumcised Philistine and I, and." Through God, I will feed his flesh to the birds of the air. That is faith. That is remembering what God did before. And, you know, they talk about David grabbed a lion by his mane and smacked him. That's a pretty tough dude, you know what I mean? Um, and so David remembered the past, how God delivered him in order to take on the current and the future. He, and what, he's, what they are calling the Israelites to do is to look, remember the Red Sea. Remember that? Boom, that went there. Remember the Egyptian army, glug, 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 in the water. Remember the Nile turning to, to blood. Remember that, that the firstborn, remember all these things. Remember that I am God and I am in control. Remember what the Lord has done. In the words of George Thurgood, God is saying, I am bad to the bone. All right? Verse 21 says, be, terif- be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God is among you, and the, uh, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. Everybody say that. Little by little. It's going to be little by little. And I can tell you that's not what they wanted to hear. 
And guess what? That's not what I like to hear. Anybody else? Like when you have a situation, do you want God to say, yeah, I'm going to deal with it. And you're not going to be able to deal with it. But I'm going to do it little by little. You're like, no, God. I want you to do it now. I want everything. I want it guaranteed. I want it done. I want that done. God has made a promise that he was going to send fear into the... Remember, he said, I'm going to send fear into the hearts of the nations. In one part, remember, he said, I'm going to send a hornet ahead of you. I don't know what that means, but that's really scary. Like, like I looked at several commentaries, and one says, like, it, it should be plural, hornets. Um, another one said that it was a giant hornet. I don't know, it's like Godzilla versus the giant hornet or something. But that, that sounds bad, doesn't it? I'm going to send the hornet. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, oh, please don't. Maybe it's those killer bees that were last year. Who knows? The killer, killer things from Mexico. Remember those things? That just kind of went by the wayside. All right? Those kind of things. Who knows? And this is what's happening. And in Exodus 27... We have the same story, but we have a different account the scope of time. He says, I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, there it is again, I will drive them out before you until you have, a, you have increased and inherit the land. So God is saying, I've got this. I've got this. If you doubt, remember the Red Sea. If you doubt, remember how I brought you out of Egypt. But also, just let you know, I'm not going to use all my power at once. I'm going to just kind of dole it out a little bit here and there. Itty-bitty drops of my power in different situations at different times, in every single battle. Why? That's what I want to know. Why? Come on, God, just do it. Two things. Number one, if God, and I'll have this on your sheet, but you can write this down if you want to. If God gave them all the power that he had, why would they ever turn to him again? Why would they ever reach out to pray? If God white said, okay, Jack, when you became Christian, I'm going to wipe out every opposition ahead of you, and you're never going to have a challenge, I'm going to tell you, because I've already forgotten what God did for me with my other challenges, I'm going to forget and not even give him credit for wiping out every challenge ahead of me. And I won't have any need to talk to him. I won't have any need to pray again. So he gives us a bit of strength day in and day out. He does that. You know, like, why couldn't God, you know, why couldn't God just go, why don't we pray, give us this day our daily what? Bread. Why couldn't God just back up a, a huge bread truck for the rest of my life? Why not? Because what happens? It's perishable. And just to let you know, power is perishable. Power is perishable. It only lasts a little bit of time. And so... Like, I can't rely next month on today's quiet time. Um, a year from now, I can't be talking about the stories about how I trusted God and stepped out of faith. I am an Eagles fan. I can't live on the Super Bowl of 2017 because we really stink right now, right? Yeah, I know, big time. So what I'm saying is this. What I'm, and, and guess what? You Ravens fans are in the same boat with us today, right? <laughs> Uh, there's more room, okay? You can't rely on the awesomeness of the year and all those wins when you lose, right? You can't do that. I can't lean on that stuff then that happened back then to get me through today. I can't, I can't lean on the fun and the joy and the freedom and the non-mask wearing and the non-COVID of 2019 when I'm living in 2021. Everybody with me? And so... So if God 
just, just did that. I need him every day. That's what he wants to know. I need him to walk with me in the present tense. I, I've got to take every day to begin to trust him. And things are going to happen that's going to seem out of my control. And I just need to get, God wants to give me the power to get through that each and every step. Not a moment sooner, not a moment later, but just when he knows that I need it. Second thing is, he says, I can't drive out all the enemies who are currently living in these places um, because I'm going to give them to you eventually. Because if I drove them all out now, you aren't numerous enough to populate. He said, you've got to populate to fill the areas that I'm going to give to you. And God has actually promised them a couple of things. He said, I'm going to cause one day you to live in houses you didn't make, you didn't build. I'm going to cause you to enjoy food from fields you didn't plant. And I'm going to have you drinking from wells that you did not dig. And that is a promise of favor for God. But one of the things that God is saying here, you say, well, wait a second. Why didn't he wipe out everybody? And they just jumped in and took their places, which they eventually did. Why, why did he do this little by little? Because God also realizes that you have to be able to maintain what you obtain. I'll say that again. You have, we have to be in a point. We want stuff, don't we? We want it. We want things. But we also have to be in a place in our lives to maintain what we, are, what we obtain. What we have, we've got to maintain that and keep it going. For instance, you can afford that car. You find a way to afford that car. But what about the regular payments? Or what about you got the down payment, but how about the monthly payment? You got the, let's say, okay, you got the down payment, you got the monthly payment. Well, what about the gas? I got, remember those Hummers? I liked them until I found out there was like 12 miles to the gallon, right? Um, so what else do we have? Um, what about, okay you, okay, you say, okay, I scraped together, I got the pay, down payment, I got the monthly payment barely, I got the gas barely. Um, what about the insurance? Oh, I'm a boy who's 20 years old. I'm done, right? You, you see what I mean? These are the things that we have. And so God is not going to give you something, not only before you're ready to handle it, but before you're ready to maintain it. God doesn't want you to have something just to drop it the next day. God wants you to have it and continue with it. And so he's going to give it to you at the right time, gradually, gradually. And I think the words that God spoke to the Israelites will apply to us today, that he wants to bless you. He wants to give you those things, maybe things that you didn't even work for, maybe those things that you didn't even earn. But because you're his, he wants to bless you. He wants to bring you into the land of his promise, but he's not going to do it all at once. He's going to do it how? how? Little by little. Little by little. And so if you want to know the summary of today's message and you want to check out now, here it is right here. Victory isn't one huge thing. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're undefeated. It's a small, continual, repeated journey that happens each and every day, little by little, and it is laborious. Unless God is the one who is totally in it and you look to him and remember what he's done in the past. The Israelites went into the city. They took over to the, this land. They took over the promised land. And you know how they did it? One city at a time, one battle at a time. The Israelites were like the Energizer bunnies. They just kept going and going and going. First they went to the hill country, then to this city, then to that city, then to the fortified plains. The battles dragged on and on. 
Not, it wasn't done in a year, remember? According to the book of Joshua, the major battles, one lasted a period of seven years. Seven years. Plus, then there would be some extra mop-up battles that would follow. And guess what? After they got through one, like we like the story of the Battle of Jericho where they just marched around the wall. One week, ah, boom, fell down. Go get them. And we're like, that was cool. That was like the easiest battle they ever had in the whole thing. And maybe that's why we talk about it. It dragged on and on. In this series, we've been asking, what would it be, what would be the dream in your heart five years from now? And if we're going to get there, we've got to remember that a journey, no matter how long it is, begins with a single step. And that's what we need. And we need to be able to sustain and maintain what God has for us to obtain. And so um, there's a book called, a a small book, it's a mini book called Mini Habits. It's about 100 pages. Um, And the author said in the book, we should make our habits too small to fail. And it's not that we're dreaming too much. It's not that we're planning too much. It's not that we're hoping too much. It's not that we're inspiring too much. I think it, the thing is, if we, make, we make our, our, if we make our goals and habits so big that there's no way to do them, there's no way to keep up with them in a year, let alone five years. So the solution is this, to make our goals stupidly small. We want to make our goals stupidly small. And what do you mean by that? Well, there was um, the, the, same, the same author in this book said he had an epiphany one time when he decided at the beginning of the year to add a 30-minute workout to his life. And so what began to happen is he, he was all set, and then he was sitting. He had worked all day, and he was tired, and he was sitting on the couch, and he's looking at that clock. Tick, tick. And he's like, I haven't done my 30-minute workout. You know, it's 6 o'clock, it's 7 o'clock, it's... Eight o'clock and it's going on and on and I can't. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. And he said he just could not summon the willpower to do a thirty-minute workout. He couldn't get himself there. And he said, "So okay." He said, "You see, uh, I'll do one push-up." So he crept out of his. He said, "All right." He got down. That was easy. And then he started, well, hey, maybe I'll do another one. And before he knew it, he was doing a whole bunch of them. And he did more and more and more and more. So what he realized is maybe he's on to something here. Often when we say, I am going to go ahead and work out for two hours a day. And that day comes and he goes, <laughs> Every journey begins with a single step. So for him, if you say, I'm going to do 100 push-ups today, that one's sustainable. But what he said is, I'm going to do one push-up. That was easy. And what he found out is, by doing the one push-up, you didn't just do one push-up. It's like eating M&Ms. Can anybody eat one M&M? I saw a TV show one time about, about dieting. They said, if you want an M&M, just eat one. I'm like, yeah, right. No way possible. I, I, I eat them by the handfuls because they melt in your mouth, not in your hands. And I, they ain't in my hands long enough to find out, right? Um, so 
He said, I'm going to do one push-up. Because when you're sitting on the couch, and it's the end of the day, you can make excuses. The gym's closed. Um, doing 100 push-ups before bed? Nah, that'll, that won't work. Um, what if I said, I'll do one push-up before I go to bed? And something actually so stupidly small, I can do one, changed his life. And all of a sudden, before he knew it, he met his goal for the day just by doing one push-up. You see, when you start with something so small, you're going to realize. Remember last week we talked about Newton's law? Remember? An object at rest stays at rest. So does somebody who doesn't want to do a half an hour workout on their couch. Remember, everything in the universe is what? Lazy. And that's what happened here. And so what we see is that, but, but if you get it in motion, it's easy to stay in motion. I, I can think of very few times in my life where I've ever been like, yes, it's workout time. Yes. I mean, I think this week, I think it was last Monday, I looked at Danny and said, I ain't doing cardio today. He said, fine with me. I'm like, well, let's go. All right? There's days that I feel like that. And there's other days that I say, okay, well, I'll just get on for a little bit. And before I know it, then I'm on for, an, for 50 minutes or an hour. I said, I thought you were going to do a little bit. Yeah. Why? Because things in motion, it's easier for them to stay in motion. And it works for us as it does in everything else in the universe that we have here. And so what I'm saying is you can start mixing it up. You see, once he started doing the push-ups, I'm sorry, he was like, he did one push-up and then he was like, hey, I feel good. I'll do one. I'll do some of this. I'll do, I'll do the diamond push-ups. I'll do this. I'll, I'll do knuckle push-ups. I'll do, I'll do squat thrust or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It just changes you. Once you get in motion, you want to do something else. And it all begins with a single step. Little by little, you can change your life. Sitting where we are and doing nothing about it will not change anything. The example in the book, he said, um, make your goal for the year. For instance, he said, make your goal for the year this. How many people like flossing your teeth? Anybody like flossing your teeth? Try flossing one tooth. Go for it. What do you think will happen if you floss one tooth? You think you'll go, okay. What will you do? You'll floss the rest of them, or at least half of them. I don't know. That's how it starts. And he said, before you know it, that's what you're doing. Or you say, don't say you're going to read for 30 uh, minutes a day. Say, I'm going to read two pages in a book. And before you know it, there's this thing say, I want to see what's on the next page. I got to see what's on the next page. We're tricking ourselves. And we do that time and time again. You see, these, this lines up with exactly that man who came up with, who invented the Spartan race. Um, he, uh, you know what Spartan races are? They're like those mud runs where people set them, you know, jump over fire, crawl under barbed wire, and drag big logs up ski, ski mountains, right? You know, um, things like that. His name was uh, Joe DePena, and here's what he said. The hardest part of a Spartan race isn't actually doing it, it's getting to the starting line. Just go ahead and sign up. How many have ever signed up for a Spartan race? How many have ever completed a Spartan race? Exactly. How many have ever been in a Spartan race? You know why? You never got to the starting line. You got to do something. You got to get to the starting line. And so he's right. It's the willpower to begin something that makes the ability for you to be able to do that. Here's a couple pointers as we put 
this practice into our lives. That God is speaking to us little by little. And it's all over the Bible. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like things instantly. Let me ask you, what do you like better? Do you like a fast food burger? Or do you like one that a chef has freshly ground meat, seasons it to perfection, cooks it up, flame grills it on there, maybe puts it on a pretzel roll and some other stuff, right? Which one do you want? But you know what? It makes, you know, it makes more money fast food because we want it then. We want it then. And that's what we're doing in our lives um, all the time. Um, time in and time out. So, all right, here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. In the last couple minutes, I know you're, you're getting afraid, but it's really quick here. Um, I'm going to give you four words of caution or four statements of caution as you begin to shrink your goals, small goals, and the approach that God wants to have in your life little by little. So what's the first thing we got to do? First thing, choose carefully. Choose carefully. Why? Because not all goals are created equally. Some have a greater ability to transform your life than others. What researchers call these traits are called keystone traits. Keystone um, traits. Um, in other words, these are areas that if you change in your life, they tend to flow and have a cascading effect to change all kinds of other areas. You can Google about it. It's, it's spilled into other like Google it, read about it. It's, it's there. So here's some examples of keystone habits. Yes, I'm not making this up. One of them is flossing your teeth. I don't know why. It's something about this teeth thing, all right? But another one is making your bed. Making your bed has a cascading effect. Do you know they have, they have done study after study, and they found out that making your bed is correlated with the ability to spend less on your credit card. I don't know why, but it, but it relates to that. Um, they're very different things, but they're related. But if you make your bed every morning, somehow you're going to have a greater sense of discipline and purpose, and you're going to spend as much on your credit card. Um, so some of, you, some of you have no problem with that. Some of you, the biggest problem is you're making the bed with people in it. So um, that's a problem. Um, physical fitness is one of those things. If you choose the right things, choose to eat the right things, you choose to do the right things, that begins to flow into other areas of your life. All right? Um, Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will be able to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It is a shift, and the change is not God. I've always wanted God, ah, change my mind, and it doesn't work that way. God is, how do you think God's going to change our mind? Little by little, battle by battle, struggle by struggle, opposition by opposition, remembering what God has done, looking to him, changing my mind, little by little. It's a lifelong process. Number two, spell it out specifically. You may have an idea. After the, in this series, you may have an idea. Or some of you may have already had this plan. You may have an idea of where you want to be five years from now. And now you're starting to go one step at a time to get there. And whatever your one step is going to be, spell it out clearly. Spell it out specifically. Make a clear plan. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 in the message version says, It takes wisdom to build a house. And understanding... To set it on a firm foundation. It takes knowledge to furnish his rooms with fine furniture and draperies. What this is saying here is simply this. Has anybody ever built a house yourself? Like you did it. Anybody ever built a house by having someone do it? Anybody ever had somebody build a house? 
all right, or build a room or, or something like that. Um, did you hire somebody who had some wisdom to do that? Or did you just go find, did you find somebody behind the fast food counter and say, hey, you did pretty good with that nasty burger. You mind coming to my house and building my house? Building it? I got a lot there. No, you wanted somebody with wisdom to have that. Um, and you wanted somebody who understood the right foundation. So that you, don't have, you didn't have a problem with that foundation. If it's on the wrong foundation, guess how good the house is? Not very good. And how many of you have ever furnished a house? How many, how many knew what you wanted? Or you just went, you did one of these, you went and you stood in, in, a, um, in a room, uh, a showroom, and like, I don't know about this one. You sat on it, and you're like, mm. and the person came in. Let me tell you, this one is made of space-age polymer that you could, you know, you could vomit all over it, and it just wipes right off. You know, you always have those people who do that, right? And you're, you're leaning on somebody else's, but then you say, hey, I need knowledge to see what goes well in here. And, and you, probably, you probably didn't just go, in, unless you're newly married where you take everybody's furniture. Remember those days and you get the covers? That's what we did. But most of the time you just say, hey, I know what I like in here. You have some knowledge of what you want in your house. It is wisdom and knowledge that comes from there because you make it clearly what you want. You may have moved into somebody else's house at one point, And they had it completely different from you. Am I right? Did anybody leave your house there? That house that you bought the exact same way? No. Why? Because you knew what you needed and you knew what to do to make it yours. And so that's what, it, what they're saying here. Make sure you spell it out specifically and have a plan. Here are some examples of spelling things out specifically. If chips, potato chips, like Doritos, aren't Doritos good? If, 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 there are, if that's a problem for you, don't say, I'm never eating Doritos again. You know why? Because you're a liar. You will eat them again. You will eat them the first party that has those suckers out there. And you're like, oh, man, no, no fair. They got a cool ranch. Not in, that's unfair. I said the regular ones. And, you know, we start doing that. But if you, and you'll have orange hands and before you know it. But what we're saying is if you say, hey, I'm, I'm going to limit my intake there. I'm going to make a step to not have it or to have it once a week or something there. Or if you say, hey, you may say, hey, I'm, I'm going to drink less alcohol this year. Um, than last year. Drink less than who? <laughs> right? I mean, everything's relative, isn't it? I mean, if you're talking about the guy who's just hammered all the time, that's a little bit different is what I'm saying here. You need to see what you're saying and see where, where, be clear about what you're doing. So that's number two. Spell it out specifically. So we have choose carefully. We have spell it out specifically. And the third one, track it diligently. It's important because we are capable of endless self-deception. Why is that? There's a, there's a neat... A little book, and it's called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And there's several, there's like three authors that are there, and they put it this way. Um, and I think I put this quote in, um, in your bulletin. It's kind of out of order, I think, by your bulletin, but it says, the truth is, if you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. They say it again, if you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. Um, and then they say, they said this, bowling through a curtain might be fun in the beginning. But if you can't see the pins fall, it will soon become boring, even if you really love bowling. So, let's, so here we go. Let's say you go to a bowling alley, and you have a curtain up. And you go, all right? And you go, boom! Yeah, I hit some! Right? That's fun at first. Imagine if you did that every time. You would be bored, right? You wouldn't know what happened. 
you would, you would be frustrated. And so that's what they're saying. Track it diligently. See what's going on there. Imagine if you did that time and time again, you would be bored. And it's the keeping the score that makes it fun. Like I remember our leadership team, we've been doing some fun things. And a year ago, right before COVID, we went bowling. Not many of us are great bowlers, right? But it, we had fun. It was competitive. Why? Because we're looking at the score. And the scores had things. Like if you were, um, you, there, there was people who got to do the next lesson and you got to be, we figured out prayer partners, all this stuff by, by teammates. It was something fun. It was in the score. For instance, there was football games on last night. When you have a sporting event, you walk in, you see a game on. What is your first question? What's the score? You don't say, hey, are they having fun on the court today? No, you say, what's the score? Because it's the score that makes it interesting for everybody. To keep score means you have data. When you have data, then you have a way to track things and write them down. For instance, um, when I started uh, doing running, whether it was um, with my phone or whatever else, I downloaded this app called the Nike Plus app, all right? And then I started, then it started working with Apple everything, because you know, how, isn't it weird how Apple knows everything that goes on to you? Yeah, 20 minutes to you there, how you know I'm going there, right? Those kind of things. But, like, you can even put food in and all this other kind of stuff, and it tracks that kind of stuff. And so what started to happen about that, it tracks miles, and I've seen every single mile, and they would give me, like, oh, now you're at this level. I'm like, yeah, I made that level, and I know where I am, and, and one of my friends, uh, he passed away several years ago, but he and I used to compete with each other, and I would look, and I'd see where he was for the month, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he went, Donnie went ahead and had uh, six miles uh, yesterday, so I got to go ahead and have seven. We, it was this competition. It was the, the competing back and forth that gave, get, that, that helped me have some data. Now, you, they track things like miles, what you eat, heart rate, standing minutes, steps. How many count your steps? Right, anybody seen that? That's a big thing. Invi you, you know that Apple in their health will track your environmental sound levels now? Um, the stand hours, the heart rate variability, and it opened my eyes to what my body was doing, what I was putting in my body, what my body was doing during the day, and it gave me data. And when it comes up with those little rings and says, you completed your goal, I'm like, yes, each and every day. If I sat out and said, I have to do that, I wouldn't do it. But each and every day, by having that knowledge to track, it gave me some power. And so I got this data and helped me do that. But that doesn't just end up with that. Maybe it's like when you have a quiet time, you write down what you need to write down in your Bible or what God has spoken to you. Or it causes you to keep score and you write down, hey, on this date, God did this and he answered this prayer. And you keep score of that. And it keeps you to have incremental, little by little, Trusting in God and more strength. Number four. You ready for number four? Number four. So once you've done the other three, once you choose carefully, spell it out specifically, track diligently, you need to guard it aggressively. Guard it aggressively. Meaning you have to fight to keep that small thing from adding up. So today, I got my step. I got my push-up. I floss my one tooth. I read my two pages, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, I'm guarding that constantly, that the days are linked. This is called, this is what uh, you could call the S Seinfeld method. Anybody heard of Jerry Seinfeld, right? I'll show you Seinfeld. Long, when he was early, as a, just starting off as a comedian, and eventually he needed to fill a, uh, a, whole, um, a whole show, and then he had to fill a whole TV show, and so what he, what he came up with was this method right here. And what he did, he, he said, I am going to write one joke a day. Now, that doesn't seem much, does it? I'm going to write one joke a day. 
And so what he did, he got a big, one of his big wall calendars. And every day, he would go over to it, and he'd, he'd go ahead. And once he wrote his joke, he would take a big marker and cross it off. And he did that every day. Then he had enough to become the Jerry Seinfeld we know, the one who has more material than anybody, um, you know, than most comedians. One joke doesn't seem like a lot, but when it builds upon one, he, you know what? He didn't skip. He made it a discipline in his life. And whatever you do, don't skip twice. What does that mean? It means this. There's going to be days where you don't do it. Um, many of you at this time of year, this is where people say, hey, I'm going to use the Bible app, and I'm going to read through the Bible in one of these plans of the year. And it is uh, January 17th, and you're like, darn it. And they have that one button that everybody loves, catch me up. And you click, and it catches you up, and you just, you know what? You know why that's good? Don't let that missing defeat your progress. Start again. Kick it in again. Go ahead again. Do a new change. Start again. There may be a day where you fell asleep, where everything's crazy, that you got sick, um, that uh, the, the temptation is to berate ourselves and say, I knew I was a failure. I should just give up. Don't get defeatist. Go ahead again and again. The author of the book Superhuman by Habit has one name, Tynan. I don't know anything else, but that's what it goes. He calls that when we, when, we, uh, when we give up and we miss two days, he calls that habit suicide. He said, missing once, it's going to happen. Missing twice is what he calls habit suicide. Because it takes all of your energy to get going again. Remember that brick from last week? And the hammer? It take, took all that energy to get moving once again. And he said, by failing to execute, potentially you're not just losing a minor bit of progress, rather threatening the cumulative benefits you've accrued by establishing a habit. This is a huge deal and should not be treated lightly. So make your habits relatively easy, but never miss doing them. Never miss doing them each and every day. God is saying the same thing that Tiny is saying. Everything that he's calling us to do and where you want to be in five years, into the promised land that God has called you, don't look for it in an overnight, but look for it little by little each and every day. Stop fighting and wanting it overnight because it's going to be little by little and eventually Little by little becomes a lot. To close today, I, you know, I've had some props in this, in this series, and I've got one right here. And if you have a piece of paper, you can join me in this prop. Okay? So you, if you have a piece of paper, here it is. I'm going to show you what to do. So one of the things is the word by is usually a, mul uh, a multiplication kind of thing, right? So um, it, it's about multiplying. And so when we're looking here, he said little by little. So I want to show you something. When, and this is kind of a... A, a neat demonstration of this compound interest that we started with and of something um, going on and on. Here we go. All right, so I take this piece of paper and I fold it once. Now, I had the, I had the regular thickness here, but I fold it once here, and that, now I have a two-by-two. Two. Let me go ahead. I'll fold it again. All right, and then what I have the thickness by, what? Four-by-four. Four. Let's go ahead again. Can you help me out here? What I got now? Eight by eight, good job. Ready here, I'm going to go ahead and do it again. You guys are amazed by these, aren't you? Six, now what am I, 16 by 16, right? If I do it again, and I'm probably not going to get much more, okay, for me. But let me try it. Let me try one more. Okay, anybody want to do that one? Oh, that 32 by 32, now I'm, what, 64, 64, right? That's how many sheets are there. Okay, see, it? see, how, see how the thickness is going? Now, now, just to let you know, if I continued this, which I can't because 
it's impossible for me, is that if I do this more and more, if I could do 10, it, they say it would be as wide as my hands. If I could do 10 pull-ups, it would be as wide as my hands. If I could do 30, this is amazing to me. If I could do that 30, it would reach 100 kilometers, meaning that 100 kilometers is just about how thick the, um, the stacks of paper would be um, to that area. That's the limits of space. Right? If I could do that 42 times, if I could get it to the 42, you would be to the moon. What do you get if I could do 51? The sun. The paper would burn up. All right? Um, what if I could get 103-fold each time, just adding exponentially on top of each other? Because that's what we're doing, right? We're exponentially. You, know. you would have a distance of 93 billion light years, which is the thickness of the observable universe, just in 103 folds. Why? Because little by little becomes a lot when it's in God's hands. Charles Spurgeon, the great evangelist, and I'll close with this, says this. Courage, my heart. Go on. How? Little by little. For many littles will make a great whole. My prayer is that in your journey, that this week you'll start with that single step and God will bring you to the place he has you, to that great place he's called you. How will he do it? Little by little. Let's stand and let's just worship the Lord one more time today. Lord God, thank you for teaching us not to despise the small things, as your scripture says. But God, let us just to embrace everything that you've given us. The great evangelist, Billy Graham, started with just a little street corner. Started with just a few people. The uh, the greatest millionaires in the world started with a little plan and a little bit of setbacks. God, Jesus started with a little group of 12 guys. They were a little bit messed up. But Lord, you did something great from them. So whatever is being spoken in our hearts and our minds now, God, we just pray that Little by little, you will teach us to trust more and more. You will let us know that when we feel the thickness of life as just a, a small, thin piece of paper, that God, if we place it in your hands and step by step and little by little, you can change the entire atmosphere. And so, Father, right now, I ask that you uh, speak to us call us into that promised land and that although we have opposition facing us and that we have struggles that are within and without that God you will teach us to look to you and remember and that you will drive them out little by little with your outstretched arm to the place where you bring us in complete freedom so Lord during this time just do what you need to do into our hearts and our minds Fast your Holy Spirit. Let us fast in your presence. May we recognize that, that although things are
around us may not seem strong and we have questions everywhere we look. But God, you have called us into a, a land of, of plenty, of blessing. The, the, the prayer of that you will send, a, that things won't make sense, but you'll open doors for us and jobs that we don't need and, and that we'll be in houses that we shouldn't have and that we'll, we'll just have blessings upon blessings. May we not forget. May we not have that spiritual amnesia. And may we always remember that you brought us there each and every step of the way. So today, God, today is journey step one for many of us. Bring us to the completion that you call us to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Have a great week in Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about from evening to morning, not morning to evening. So we'll see you next week. God bless.